Where's John Petcup? Look for the big red beard and glazed over eyes. Um, I just can't not, I don't know. I come from the trades world. I think it's funny. Um, John Petka is a great, uh, John, uh, is a great small group leader. And he said, he said this, uh, if you're looking for a small group, all the small group leaders and people who are helping lead small groups, put your hands in the air. If you're not in a small group, go find one of these people and get in a small group by the end of the night, by the way. Um, but John said, um, he had somebody, I think in the prayer corner or something, um, say like, I, I'd like, I think I need to get baptized. And John said, um, have you formalized a relationship with Jesus? And they were like, well, I don't really know, like, what does that mean, right? So we're going to talk a little bit about, about that tonight. Um, Eric was talking uh, to John and was like, well, so have you, when did you say the sinner's prayer? And uh, John is new to all this, this and John's like, um, I don't know really what that is, you know? And then Eric, in the worst conversion in human history, he's like, I know, I got a sinner's prayer around here somewhere. So he Googles it. Google's the sinner's prayer. And so we're actually going to go through that tonight. Like, what does that actually mean? Pastor Richard is going to lay out kind of the foundation of the gospel for you because I don't want to be, uh, be weak in that anymore. So now I do need to, thanks, Sean. Um, I do need to address one thing is that there's this whole like anti-conversion theory happening out right now. So it's like basically you can't convert somebody from another way of life right now, except for, I mean, my issue with it is that the entire basis of conversion theory is converting you to their theory. And you're not allowed to convert back. So that's one way to run a, a religion. Uh, people used to get mad at weird churches for doing that. Um, but here's what I want to say. As we're talking about this in society, it's this whole like, well, you can't tell somebody that lifestyle, whatever. Like, and so because we're in a society now that values affirmation more than it values health. And so um, it's like, hey, you can't tell somebody like, hey, stop shooting yourself in the foot, even though that hurts. But now, now what we're doing is we're saying, you know, who, you know whose fault it really is? It's people who didn't affirm you for shooting yourself in the foot. That's why it hurts, you know. When um, it's just not a results-based or oriented or anything that makes any sort of logical sense whatsoever. And so here's what I want to say as a Christ follower. This is how I approach that because you can be like in this place where like, hey, you're not allowed to convert somebody from a sinful way of life. You're not allowed to even say it's sin and you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to. With the way that society is going with this Christ follower, don't get worried about it because a lot of Christians get worried about it, afraid, angry about this. And like, well, you know, don't get worried about it. They're filling up our churches for us. We're not converting anybody. Maybe if you haven't noticed, but if you're here, you're looking for something. So if you give your life to Christ here, we're not converting you. You're just like, tell me about your relationship. And we're like, okay, and do you want that? Yeah, I, I want that. So like society is going to see the enemy. He's so mean that he's just got to hurt and hurt and hurt and hurt out there. And he's just going to keep hurting people until they're just coming into church now. So you don't really have to invite people into this whole way of life. They know that that doesn't work out there. And they're getting tired of uh, being lied to, I think. And um, does that make sense? So like shore up your faith. And all I'm doing is just answering questions about my life. So. But Christianity has always been based on your choice, right? God is like, look, if you don't want a relationship with me, you don't want a relationship with me. Go shoot yourself in the face. If that's what you want to do, then do it. So we're not forcing anybody to do anything. Don't if you don't want to. If, don't. Then go out and live out there. And if you can find an answer out there, good luck. We've looked. And we haven't found anything out there that is even remotely like belonging in this family. And so, or don't, or just stay out there and that's fine. But you need to have that confidence as you're talking to people of like, all you're doing, you know, really is you're, is you're talking to people is telling them about your story. So is that, does that help you think about it? Don't get angry. Don't get freaked out. Don't get, there's so many angry Christians out now. I think you're just afraid of like, look, nobody can take away something that's happened in you. So relax a little bit. God is always on the throne and God always has, um, so, um, 
I was going to go through this, but let me just go through this maybe quickly. Uh, Dr. Henry Cloud, um, as a Christian psychologist, what we're really um, telling people is like what has worked in our life and so where we found success, right? And so he, I just want to bump through these really quickly maybe. No, every time I come back in there, I feel like I shouldn't. So that's too bad because that was good material. All right. So Lord, if I, if I give this to you and make this sacrifice, my, would my Easter sermon then be void of this sort of thing? Not that, not that you can't because this is all about you, right? But just so we're clear. Look, Jesus is going to love you either way. If you want to be a, re- a receptacle of that love, you have to do something as you're part of the relationship. Now, you can't adopt yourself into the family, but you have to sign the papers uh, as well. And so does anybody else coming in. And as you're sharing your faith with people, really, it's just sharing your story. And I think only really an ignorant kind of a person is going to tell you that what's happened to you. And when you're telling about your relationship with Jesus, or you're just telling about your life. I think it takes a really ignorant person to... Be like, well, you just made that whole thing up or not believe you, right? So if you're not even starting there in relationships, it's going to be really hard to talk to people about Jesus. And I would leave that sort of thing a a bit alone just because you'll be like the crazy people standing on soapboxes screaming that everybody's going to hell. I'm like, that'll convert people. You know, isn't that that great? Like, come and be part of this party so that one day you can stand here and scream at people. Um, There's a better way to leverage love. Uh, is leveraging uh, love. Now, there, you will come to this point in your life where you're going to have to decide, like, which way you're going to go. You can't belong in two families at the same time, so you gotta, you got to pick one. And um, <laughs> this one is pretty amazing, and everything else there kind of goes in the same downward uh, spiral and goes to no place. And so, But it's totally up to you, and we're going to love you either way. Now, this, your story is the best thing you got. So I worked in the industry world, in the trades world, and I had to hang around some of those guys for, like, two years or three years, because they're very practical people, I finally realized if I grew up in their home with their dad, who maybe had religion forced down his neck, or maybe just left the church because he wanted to be stupid and sinful, and then reap the consequences of that, and then have the nerve to blame the church for that, I, I still haven't figured that one out. But you know, like, well, you, you reap what you sow. And so, but if I grew up in that home and was constantly told this message over and over and over again, like, oh, the church just wants your money. And, well, no, it takes every house kind of wants your money, too, but you get to feed people and people have rooms to go to sleep in, you know, things like that. Well, that's all that this is. It's just a physical house of the Lord so that people can, you know, come to to the gospel and and be adopted. So adoption costs resources. But you, you see some of the churches misspending money, and so you get bitter about this thing or that thing or, you know, and uh, careful. I need to say this. Careful that you don't get bitter against the body of Christ no matter what that particular church that you came from looked like. Because um, bitterness against the body is bitterness against Christ. You can't separate the two. So whatever the church looks like to you or whatever church you grew up in that was dysfunctional, um, it's, churches are full of people, and people have sin, right? And so some churches are led well, some are not. Some are led according to a biblical basis of how we structure things, but some just have bad leaders or some just don't follow the structure. Or the morality of the gospels, right? And so, but you have to understand that how you feel about the church is secretly how you feel about Christ. 
But you have to understand, too, that Christ is going to clothe his church in white. And all of, though her sins are as scarlet, he will make the church as white as snow. And so all of Christ's investment is in the church. He doesn't have another family. And so even as I'm, I'm, you know, I think the most difficult people to convert, if that's what you want to call it, are people who have gotten bitter against the church and then they have a story about why they don't go. And now they don't go and they don't give and they don't serve and they don't do all the things. And then I'm not sure who you're hanging out with, though, because I don't think you can hang out with the head without the body. And some people want to separate the head from the body and carry the head around with you. But if I'm Jesus, I'm not going to go for that. Jesus is the head. The church is the body. I wouldn't be the guy trying to separate that. But that's ultimately what happens when a person gets disillusioned with church. And so when I hear that and you're bitter against the church, then I'm like, well, the church is full of problems because it's full of people. But if, it was, if you ever found a perfect one, you couldn't go. So that's a problem, too. So welcome to Venue Church. It's a bit of a mess. But God is at work sanctifying. And we are at work making disciples. And God is at work buying eternity for our city. So there's great things happening, too. Um. Now, I don't talk about Jesus too much until I have some sort of relationship with somebody unless they're ready to go. Now, here's the other thing. You go to a church that is very good at delivering the gospel to people. By the time people come here, they're pretty well ready to go. So if you have a struggle with this, bring them to church. We are so confident in the Holy Spirit touching people. You bring them here. They get prayed for. We're confident that something is going to happen there. So, like, by the time they get in the doors, there's something that's going on in their hearts, as, as happened to you as well. Be confident in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is above all things and is above any person's preconceived mind conceptions about anything. And so all you have to do is come in and meet Jesus, which I'm going to talk about a little in the Easter message, unless it gets changed. Um, so anyways, don't talk a lot about Jesus and that part of sin and restoration to heaven and stuff until you have some form of relationship and so this is what we say too is like build a relationship with somebody outside of church so that when they come to church church has a bit of credibility because they know that you're a pretty decent sort of person and you're sacrificial and you're honest and you're like hey i pray for you and how are you doing and how's your marriage and how's that thing in your home going and how's that addiction that you're fighting and you know so you actually build a relationship with them and then hopefully they come and start watching online so they build a relationship you know, with me online before they even get here, because, you know, evangelizing people getting into church is difficult if they don't believe in God. And the old churches didn't understand marketing quite right, because they're like, well, just tell them to come and meet God. And I'm like, but they don't want to, because they don't believe that he exists. So that's, then I'm like, oh, we have to meet them. We do the introduction. Right? So that's how that works. And then once they meet Jesus, then things change. But if they never get to the place where they actually meet Jesus, that's a problem. And so is this sort of helping everybody? I'm just showing you how I think about it. Um, your story creates connection and credibility. And then you start telling like, well, actually, I don't know. I know that you don't really believe in God, but I believe that God did this in my life. And this is where it was headed. And this is what was happening. And all of a sudden, a year later, I was talking to George and uh, Josie. And I'm like a year later, all of a sudden, everything is different. And I'm like, you can't explain that any other way. We tried everything else and nothing else did that except for that we believe it's a person of God that helped us get free of addiction and is, is Jesus. Like there is a power that is helping us do that. Um, yeah, so can I get Pastor Aaron on, on stage? You want to come up? Sweet. Do you have another mic? Okay. Um, yeah. 
So, I don't know. You had some stuff prepared that I just want to give you yeah, some Yeah, I'm not going to share long. I'm just going to share a few of the why behind why I think this is so important for us to, to know how to do and to know um, the, the meat and potatoes of. Pastor Richard's going to come up here and share that with you, so I'm not going to take too long. But um, Acts 1.8, uh, these are Jesus' very last words on earth. After he died on the cross and rose again, he was here on earth. Um, and this is what he said to his disciples. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Okay, so I want to focus on the word witnesses. So that's what we're, that's his last words to us. You will be my witnesses here. If all God wanted from you was just to have a relationship with you, I mean, he could, as soon as you make that decision, take you up to heaven to be with him. But that's not what he, he says. We, we actually, the reason he left us here is because there's a gospel to preach. There's good news to share with people. And the world needs us. And so, well, and can I just jump in and say, because um, a lot of people resist coming to Christ because they're like, if God is good, how come all the bad stuff is happening in the world? So you have to understand God gave choice to mankind. That was part of how the world works like gravity is. Nobody complains about gravity, but we complain about choice because we don't understand it. When God gives a gift, he doesn't take it back. So he, had, he gave it to mankind. My, mankind turned it over to the, to the serpent, to the devil. I'm just going to be sick. Yeah, no, You're looking no, for a no. chair. I know. I, just, um, I didn't want to run into it if I moved. I thought you just wanted my chair. That's why I'm staying close. Um, <laughs> so, so mankind gave it to the devil, and the devil broke it. So now the only avenue that God has back in is to whom the world was given to in the first place, which was mankind. That's why Jesus had to become a man to redeem the world, and he had to pay the price of mankind to do that. Now, he still only can work through men because that's how men and women and children, because that is how the earth was set up in its principles. So before you blame God for all the bad things, we're the ones who gave the world and had a, you know, adopted a really terrible father called Satan. And he broke the world and we made that happen. So now through mankind, God is working in the world because he gave it to man. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I just have four points I want you to think about. So first of all, we have to accept responsibility for, to share our faith with our world. So you're going to be in a world with people that I'm not going to be around. And um, God's put you there for a reason. Um, and those people need to know the gospel. And here's, here's what I would say. When you're sharing the gospel, it's not us and them. Yeah. It's not us and them. I realized one day at work, I'm like, no, no, no. I would think exactly the way this person thinks if I grew up in their home. It's us. So you have to accept responsibility for the state of the world, even though you didn't choose some of it. The state of our nation right now, Christ followers have to be like, no, this is on us and our fathers. So it's not just on the bad people out there. This is on us. And yeah. we're going to take responsibility, even though not all of it is like directly our fault. We're going to take responsibility and make a sacrifice to try to cover some of the sins of the people. And so it's taking responsibility for the soul of your neighbor and be like, does that make sense? Now I'm on the same team as them. I'm just trying to help guide them in the direction that I found is all. I'm not trying to convert them. I'm just like, hey, this is what happened in my life. Any way that I can serve you, you let me know. You want to borrow my lawnmower? Great. Right. Okay, number two, develop a relationship with people. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That really matters. Um, number three, share your personal... I think you should say that again. <laughs> people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Um, number three, share your personal story. You aren't telling them everything that's wrong with them 
like, you know, you're going to hell because blah, 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 blah. But, but what you witnessed personally through Jesus in your life, Matthew 7 says, not everyone who calls me Lord um, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but those who do the will of the Father. And he says, you know, to those that don't, I never knew you. And so this is a relational thing. So tell your personal story, your witness of what Christ has done in your life. And here's what I would say. If there's one thing the world hates, it's hypocritical Christians who are judgmental and think they're better than everybody else. So you really think that you, got, you, you have a relationship with God because you're better than the other person is? Have you met you? You know what I'm saying? Like, you were extremely fortunate that God gave you an opportunity and paid for the whole thing. Like, that's all that it is, you know? And so your attitude about how we talk to people about that, and here's what I would say. If they find you at work lying about something and you don't own it, why would they serve your God? So if you won't own your sin, why would you expect them to own their sin? Right? So that takes the hypocrisy out of Christianity. And you're only as good as your last conversation. But it's not like we don't screw up. But when we screw up, own it and come to God and ask for forgiveness and be like, I'm sorry, I messed this up. And go to the person and be like, hey, I'm sorry, I could have done better. Yeah. And uh, that's on me. You know? And then they'll see a little bit of humility, which is probably better to reach people with. Right. And the last point I wanted to say was um, the stakes are high. So you need to be willing to make a personal invitation to them, to invite them into church, to invite them to hear your story. The world is far more ready for an invitation than we are ready to invite. People aren't as closed off and as hard as we sometimes think they are. 80% of people that come to church don't come because of Facebook ads. They come because somebody invited them. Yeah. Uh, so sit with them. Uh, first, and, and now I think Pastor Richard's coming up after? Yeah. Okay, so before he comes up, 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Okay, so keep that in mind. But um, now Pastor Richard's going to come up, and he's going to show you kind of the steps to take, the core things that uh, you need to know as you share your story. Thank you, Pastor and Pastor Corey. Well, and if I could just jump in here, one thing that's huge to me when I'm sharing about my faith, or even that, now it's easy because I'm a pastor. What do you do? I'm a pastor. So, you know, I'm going to talk about God. That's kind of what we do. It's like people going to church and like, they talked about Jesus. I'm like, that's kind of all that we do, actually. That's like our, that's literally the description of what we do. Um, use humor. And if you don't know what human humor looks like, hang around people who are funny and make, Laugh at themselves a little bit. I mean, people want to be around joyful people. And uh, just, I mean, just find a way to make humorous things. Um, I feel like I just want to jump into the story. So I worked with a bunch of trades guys who were, you know, hilarious and idiots, but hilarious. You know what, though? I found them more honest in the job site than a lot of Christians, professing Christians were, which is a super alarming. But um, I walked into a room. They were telling a dirty joke. And I was in between stuff, and it was my crew. And so I walked in there, and they all went, mm, and looked at me. And this is what I said. Now, don't get offended by this. This is what I said. I walked out of the room, and I said, straight to hell, guys. And walked out of the room down the hall. Everybody around there burst out laughing. It literally opened them up to the gospel, because all their experience with Christians was this angry, judgmental bunch that would, like, say the same thing. But I just said what they thought that, like, mm. And so I said the thing, Josh knows, like, it's this sense of humor and this quickness of wit that attracts people to you. And so, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not serious about it, of course, but it's just a way that we connected. And then after that, they were more open to the gospel after that than they were before. So I don't know. Take that for whatever it is. Don't tell people they're like straight to hell. Thanks, Pastor. But we were telling a joke. 
you know, one of the most exciting things I find is when, when people walk through the, the entrance doors here and somebody hits them with a smile and they can't help but break down because smiles are very powerful and that's why humor is so good. Uh, I'm really impacted tonight by this scene. You know, the devil has tried to, to fence us in long enough, but we blew the fence. Look at it. We got the city. See what's behind there? We got the city. And how do you get the city? Well, I'm going to share with you. If I get a 10-minute window in your life, you will know what it needs, what you need to, to go and take the city, what, what, what uh, it, you need to change your life. This, by the way, is a Bible. And um, I, I always say, if you give me 10 minutes, I'll go from cover to cover and give you all you need for you to have, have a relationship with Jesus. This is the most powerful historic book ever written. It's the most popular book ever written. It's more of these in print than any other book in the world. And it's more in demand than any other book in the world. So why wouldn't we go to it? Okay, this is where I get my answers from. 40 years ago, about 40 years ago, in Pasadena, California, my pastor said, this is how I communicate the gospel. I get an image. I get a picture. I get a template. So I've got a 10-minute template to, that, will, that will encourage most people to make a move toward a relationship with God. And it's all about relationship. That's where we're going, relationship. So this is how I, I use my 10-minute window. Have you ever heard of the Garden he of Eden? He keeps saying 10 minutes, but he hasn't started it yet. So. Yeah, I haven't. Yeah, we're, and I gave him seven minutes. So, the, yeah. Hold the clock. All I need is 10 minutes. All, it's amazing when I talk to people, and, and uh, actually all our dream team, our staff people, when they see somebody has got something stirring in their hearts, they point them to me. And I go get them. I last through them. I get them in. Because I know that Jesus wants them. And so I go for them. And if they give me 10 minutes, I'll share the gospel. So many, many people... It still hasn't started. I know what's happening. Many people... Some people have never heard of the Garden of Eden. Can you believe that? You say, nah, impossible. I've shared with people who have never heard of the Garden of Eden. Well, the story starts at creation where God created a mankind, man and a woman, out of the dust of the ground. He made a man and a woman in his image, perfect. Okay, they walked naked. They were unashamed in the Garden of Eden. And God said, this garden is yours. I created this all for you. Just take care of it. There's only one thing. Because you're, a per you're, uh, you're made in my image, you have a choice. And I just don't want you to eat of that one tree in the center of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So leave that alone. So Adam is nodding. Eve wasn't even listening at that time, I don't think. But Adam was nodding. But the, the serpent came in in the form of a snake. He came, the, Satan came in the form of a snake, serpent. And he began to whisper in, in Eve's ear. I don't know what Adam was doing, looking at the tree maybe. But because he didn't have any job. And so um, he just had to take care of the garden. So so the serpent started to whisper in Eve's ear, and he, he said, because God told him, if you eat of that tree, you'll die. When God created man, he created him out of the dust of the ground. He was a human being. And then God breathed into him. And he became like God. He had a spirit that was alive, that could connect with God, that could have fellowship with God. That was in the family of God. 
And when, when God said you'll die, that's what he meant. Be careful, you'll lose that, what I gave you, what I breathed into you. Serpent comes along and he said, uh, did God say? And he began to question her. So she started to think. And he got her lured into going and taking fruit off that tree and, re- and eating that fruit. And at that moment, sin entered the world. We gave it over. God gave us authority that we were in his image, and we gave it over to Satan. And, and from that point, we began to serve him because he became our master. So here's my, uh, Adam and Eve in the garden, and suddenly they were ashamed. See, this is, that's called sin. When you disobey God, it's called sin. And suddenly they were ashamed. They were natural. They were, they were beautiful. They were natural, made in God's image. Suddenly they were ashamed because sin makes us full of shame. So God had to begin to deal with that from the beginning. So he took an animal, probably a sheep, we're guessing. But he took an animal, took the, the, he, had to, he had to take the skin off the animal, so obviously he had to kill the animal. So that animal had to die for the man so that God could cover the man, cover their shame, cover their sin. And so from that point in time, because the animal had to die, and you know, life is in the blood. If you, if you have any kind of an ailment, a sickness, what do they do? Send you for blood work. Because you, you take the blood work, you take it to Dr. Paul, and he says, this is what's your problem. Because life is in the blood, and there's something missing in your blood. And it tells the story. So the life is in the blood. So the animal had to die so that God could cover the sin. So from that point on, all through 4,000 years of history, what God required from man is when they sinned, he, they had to give an offering of blood for their sin because sin brings death, but blood brings life. And so the, they, normally what they did is they take animals and they would sacrifice the animal and take that blood and offer it to God as a, as a covering. He would cover their sin. And, and, you know, in those days, did you know that just about all, all God's pe- uh, great men and women were farmers? And uh, that's my background. You city folks might not understand this. But they sort of lived with their animals in those early days. And so they'd have to go out in, in the field, and they'd have to pick a choice animal. They'd have to take an animal without a blemish, a pure, spotless animal. And they'd have to take that animal, bring that animal into, the, into their living quarters, and they would cut the throat of that animal. How would you feel if you had to take the best little uh, animal, the best lamb, the best pet you had, and cut that animal's throat. You see, then you would know how serious sin is to God. Because it cost the life of that little lamb to cover your sin. And periodically, they had to continue to do that because the blood would only cover the sin. But that was only God's initial plan so that he could at least have some fellowship with man. But he had a greater plan. 4,000 years, they sacrificed millions upon millions upon millions of lambs. And all the families, the kids, they would see this happen periodically. And it was a very serious thing. You feel it? Feel the weight of it? That's what Pastor was talking about on Sunday. The weight of it. We have to come down. Every time they sacrificed that lamb, they would come down. They would come down. They would come down. Then God would give them hope again because their sin was covered. But God had a greater plan. So after 4,000 years of this, the Bible says in the, in the right time, God sent forth his son. Jesus was born of a, a virgin, a virgin, the Virgin Mary. He was born of a virgin. And did you know Jesus is called the Lamb of God? 
because it was God's plan that that lamb would have to give his life. He's going to be the chosen one, the spotless one, who's going to give his life. So, so when God chose, sent Jesus, he chose him that he was going to be offered. That's why he, he went to the cross. That's why he suffered. That's why he bled, because that blood, one drop of Jesus' blood is more powerful than the, blood, than the gallons for millions of lambs. Just one drop, that's how powerful it is. And when that blood was shed, that's how we come to God. When we say, God, I believe you are who you are. I believe Jesus is the Lamb of God. I believe he's the one that has given his blood for me. And I confess my sin, the sin that has caused him to die, the sin that has really caused him to bleed and die. I confess my sin. And I accept the blood of Jesus not to cover my sin anymore, but to do away with my sin. So when we believe that, not believing it, believing it doesn't save you. Receiving the forgiveness is what saves you. You say, God, forgive me for my sin. I believe that that blood has the power to forgive me for my sin. And I want Jesus to be my Lord from this day. That's how simple it is. You know, we want to have meetings. We want to have all kinds of activities and ideas and tests and, and rules. But it's not that hard. It's just coming to the place where we say, I'm guilty. Because you don't need forgiveness if you're not guilty. So I am guilty. So now I receive that which you offer, forgiveness as a gift. I receive it. And now I'm free. When that happens in John chapter 20... The Bible says after Jesus was resurrected, his disciples were there with him. And he said, and the Bible says, peace be to you. This is how peace comes. He breathed into them that life that they lost in the garden back there. When God said, you will die. If you eat from that, you'll die. And they received it back. And so now we have that life, that right standing with God. And nobody can take that away from you ever. The devil can't ever... You can have a hard life. You can be, be beset by troubles. And you can, you can go down. But this life is something that can't be taken away from you. That's all that being born again is. We use these terms. Some people don't even know why we use born again. They don't know what that is. You're born again spiritually. The breath comes back into you. And you can go on and fellowship with God and with people. And reach out, like Pastor Aaron said, into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and into the uttermost parts of the world. It starts with your family. It goes to your, your circle of friends, the people you hang out with. goes through your church. goes through your city. And then it goes to wherever God sends us. So that's how simple it is. If you need to do that, do it tonight. Don't need to wait one more day. You can do it tonight. Did I use more than 10 minutes? About. From, from when? Yeah, no, that was good. Thank you. So that's good. And the way that Pastor Richard lays it out, it has to do with sin and, and the blood covering sin. Um, and the scriptures say that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of, there's no forgiveness of sin. And... Um, yeah, and when, when what really died in the garden was what he was saying, spiritual death. You are body, soul, and spirit. Well, your spirit died in, in Eden, and when you know Nicodemus comes and says to Jesus, how can a man be born again? after? Does he have to go back into his mom, you know? And Jesus is like, gross. And then he's like, no, what's happening is Jesus, you know, God will breathe life into the spirit because we connect with God in spirit and in truth. And so there's something inside of you that's dead 
that needs to be brought back to life. And that is the connection point. Like those who are not spirit are not of heaven. And uh, Jesus breathing life into that spirit. And so I think that that's uh, excellent to do that. If a person will not come to the place where they admit their sin, uh, then that's a problem. But guilt is only there for one reason, to turn a person's heart to Christ. Once that happens, guilt has no more place in a Christ follower. And so what the enemy does is if he can get somebody to, or you to not admit guilt, then you, then you don't have anything to ask forgiveness of. And then all you will experience over and over is shame. And shame is that downward spiral where you get into the thing where you're like, I'm not good enough and I'll never be and I'll... Yeah, but guilt is there just to bring you back. Guilt is there from... It's a gift from the Holy Spirit to turn you back to God so that you can have a relationship restored. That's the only reason that it's there. It's a gift from the Holy Spirit to be like, hey... You know, if you're sinful and God is sinless, we, we can't be together. Sin has to go so that we come back. And so now the other side of that, too, is when we sin as Christ followers, we have an advocate named Jesus who stands in front of God, the father. And he is like, hey, I've covered their sin. They're coming and asking for forgiveness. I have with my blood covered their sin. Would you accept them into the family? And in the Old Testament, sin could only be covered. In the New Testament, though, since Christ came Sin, it says Jesus removes our sin as far as the east is from the west from us. He actually removes it right from us. So you are a brand new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And so um, this is sort of the gospel in in a nutshell. So um, does this sort of help with a little bit of how we express some of these things? Now, every person is sort of in a different place. And so you've got to kind of read the room and figure out where they're at and uh, talk to them. I don't mean sell them something. I mean, just figure out where they're at in the story. And where they're at in their journey, um, because what we need to do is get them kind of to the next step. So, Pastor Ann, do you have any other thoughts? Well, she does. Uh, just one last thought. The... Just come up here. <laughs> you know, when we're sharing our faith with someone or our, our testimony of what God's done in our lives, um, sometimes we can get intimidated and feel like a big pressure about it, like we've got to do it right. And, and that's true. Like we want to do it well. And sometimes that just takes practice, like actually, like, what would I, what would I say? And, you know, I learned how to share my faith in university and I learned how to share it in Spanish. I learned, you know, uh, it takes a little bit of practice. Would to you kind share of it in Spanish to... with us right now? I still remember the four spiritual laws. Did anybody get saved when she said um, that in Spanish? Okay. Um, but what I do want to say is. The burden of obedience is on us. When, when, when God is saying, like, hey, I want you to share with this person, the burden of obedience is on us. But the burden of the Come outcome up, is on God. He's the one that will draw them, and he's the one who will transform their lives. So. And sometimes when I'm talking to somebody, if their heart is still very hard, it's just time to pray. Because you can actually add to a person's judgment by telling them more than they're willing to do in a moment. So some people, they have hardness of heart. Some of you, that was your story. And uh, if you had been told more, you would have come under more judgment because you're judged for what you hear. Um, you're, you're judged for what you ought to know, but you're also judged for the things that you hear. And so sometimes if I sense a real hardness in a person, I'll just build a relationship with them for a while. I'll just serve them. I'll just love them. I'll be honest. You know, I'll just act like Jesus towards them so that one day when I have an opening into their life or when tragedy hits, as soon as I hear anybody say, this was unexpected, I'm like, the gospel has an end. 
or like this was really hard or we got this diagnosis or we just moved here or anytime there's upset, the gospel has a, has a road in. And so, or a person is broken. That to me are the times when you're really willing to ask some different types of questions and your pride is at a low because God does resist the proud, but brings grace to the humble. So, so, um, and the next step, some of you are like, Hey, so we just did this. What do we do next? We'll get on the baptism list. Um, it's just think about it like a family. So those of us who are here ahead of you, spend time with us. And we'll just be like, hey, here's how you take out the garbage. And here's how you give to God. And here's how you do this. And here's how you forgive. And here's what you shouldn't be worried about right now at work because God has this. And I'm going to pray for you. And here's how you parent your kids. And here's how we respond in marriage. And here's how God would do it. And here's the best life. And so it's really that relationship that we want you to build. Um, going through next steps of the church so you can get more involved here in groups and, and teams. Um, and we had, do we have printed sheets that we're going to give out at Easter, I think, about just like, here's some next steps. Here's how to get on the Bible plan. It's important to start praying, you know, just things like that, because we've got a lot of people that have gotten baptized even the last weeks before, what, eight in the last two weeks or something? Saved, not baptized. We haven't baptized people yet, but we will. All right. Um. And I would say if you're exploring faith or even if you've uh, made a decision to serve Christ, go to the Alpha group that starts up in a couple of weeks. Alpha is the place where we go through the foundations of Christianity and you get to ask any question that you can think of there. So that's a beautiful group that you need to go to. If you didn't grow up with any f spirituality at all or it was kind of weird or twisted, go there. It'll just settle the score and it, it's a beautiful, beautiful group. So. And so what I want to ask you is if anybody here has not formalized a relationship with Jesus, I'm looking back to the stage team, but hopefully. <laughs> but I want to say some of you didn't know. So, or some of you came into Christianity and I would say you were birthed wrong into Christianity because you thought you were coming so Jesus could make you happy rather than like Jesus' blood. I needed the sin part dealt with and I wasn't really admitting sin and I wasn't really signing up to be a part of a family and to pull my weight. And here's what I would also say is that nobody can take salvation away from you, but you can walk away from a relationship too because that's how relationships work. And somebody needs to come back today to Christ and be like, I used to, but then I walked away and I kind of divorced myself from Christ or the church, which kind of ends up being the same thing. And so there's this whole idea, and I know I'm getting pushback, but I'm like, you can't separate the head from the body. So there's this idea of like, you know what, Jesus, I've uh, made some judgments against some things and against you, and I need to come and ask for forgiveness of sins and lay these things down and accept you and your lordship over my life right now. And so uh, if you've never done that, we would uh, recommend going over to the prayer team and just doing that afterwards. You can do it right now. I'm just going to pray the sinner's prayer that Eric found online. Um, <laughs> And so could we just practice for Easter? Because I'm probably going to do something like this for Easter. I don't do a lot of like, hey, raise your hand. I might do it at Easter, though. I don't even really count conversions until we get to baptisms. So I just don't personally. I'm not saying it's wrong to. Um, but I mean, it's easy to raise your hand. You know what we need to do, though? Like, we got to go public. And we got to make sure that this thing is actually happening. And so we don't want to give false sense of security away. But I'm going to do this right now. I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads. And can everybody in the church say this um, after me? Because some of us need to revitalize our relationship with Jesus. Some of us need to start and some of us need to restart it and come back to the Lord. But just say this after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. 
I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Amen. So if that's you praying that and you want this relationship and you want to come back, go tell somebody at the prayer team uh, about this tonight because we want you uh, in the family and we want you signed up for this journey that we are here with you uh, every day with. And when I say we are here with you, this is not the kind of commitment that the world gives. This is something we're not even allowed to reject you because Jesus never rejected us. And so we love you. You need to stop with all the stories about why, oh, they wouldn't like me. I have tattoos, whatever that looks like. I'm like, we're not even allowed to reject you. We love you. Jesus loved us first. All right, so what we do now, if if it's your first first Wednesday, we just go into kind of a time of um, just um, worship a little bit. And then the prayer teams start filling up over there. So prayer teams, I just release you to go get ready for everybody there. And uh, normally Pastor Richard directs traffic out here. And so... um, if there's something going on in your life that you just need prayer for, you just need to tell your story to somebody, or you prayed this prayer and you meant it, um, you just want to hear from the Lord, you need to tell somebody something. Um, maybe there's some healing. God's brought up some something in your life. You're like, I don't know, but why did this thing happen to me? Go get prayed for. Go get it out in the open. Go get it out there, and the Lord will bring some healing into your life as well and give you a perspective that you need right now.